And another reminder that Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. It gives you everything you need in one place, and it's free. You can use it right from your phone or your computer. They have creation tools, so you can record and edit your podcast so it sounds great. And they'll distribute your podcast for free. So you can hear it on Spotify, Apple, Google, and many more. Just like us here at BraveMaker. Make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So download the Anchor app today and go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks to our sponsors. Now back to the show. Stories, scripts, and conversations with creators. This is the Brave Maker Podcast. Welcome to the Brave Maker Podcast. My name is Rebecca Mosa. Hey, I'm Tony Gapistone. And we have Jesse Garcia on this episode. He was in actually the very first film that we ever screened, Collisions. Mm-hmm. And he's also in some Netflix films. Mm-hmm. Uh, shows. Shows, yeah. yeah. Which we're going to have to repost this when they actually come out because he's got a huge, huge, huge show on Netflix <laughs> that will, I think, coming out in 2020. <laughs> and so he couldn't even talk about it which uh, is a bummer, but once you find out, you'll be like, oh, you'll come back and listen to it with new ears. And he also just booked another show on another streaming platform that he couldn't talk about either. So he's got some stuff coming out. Good for him. Yeah. And a great story. We met, and I I talk all about it in the podcast, we met from mutual friend Jeremy Valdez, who was also on this podcast. And again, another brave maker story, another person who faced fears and risked to go after this career of being in the entertainment industry. Super cool. Which is not an easy industry. <laughs> it is not. It is not. Yeah. You know how many times I I was just telling you earlier, like I know I'll never give up. I know I won't, but I can be tempted to think about what would it be like, you know? And sometimes I just have to let it sit in my mind and, yeah. and I have to go down the rabbit trail of giving up and going, no, not worth it because <laughs> I would die. But it, it's hard. It's really hard. And so all of you who are doing the work right now and putting yourself out there and going on auditions and writing and pitching and fundraising, keep going. I know that sometimes like the worst advice to hear because it doesn't really result in any accomplishments sometimes, but it's all we can do. It's all we can do is keep doing it, keep doing the work and keep finding the people to help do the work with and keep ourselves encouraged and meditate and pray and remind yourself when all those negative thoughts come in that you're enough. Mm. I was just telling Rebecca, I've had to redefine success, not by like how many films I make or how much money I have in the bank, but... Do I have enough money to pay rent and put food on the table? Yep. Am I creating something that I'm enjoying? Yep. That's a, that's good. That's enough. One of our one of our. Do you uh, have you you've met Asia, the bookkeeper for yeah. Brave Maker? So we were meeting here in the office, and you know we're spreading out receipts, and I was like, Ugh, I'm like my worst thing. I hate doing that type of thing, and you know anything administrative. And that was the same day as the the open house that we had in August and I was like, l- like having to load up all the velvet ropes and I was just like sweaty. It was 80 degrees <laughs> and I was complaining. And uh, I was like, oh, this is so hard. And she looked at me and she said, 
but you're living the dream, aren't you? Oh. You're living your dream, she said. I said you know what? You're so right. Yeah. Sometimes this, you're wondering, yeah, this is what I asked for. Yeah. <laughs> the dream comes with lots of work. So Sometimes we forget that. We do. All right. Well, uh, before we have Jesse, we want you to know our next event is... Uh, October 16th for They Know Not What They Do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a film looking at the LGBTQ plus community and the evangelical Christian community and kind of how they intersect and... It's a really good film. We saw it at Frameline mm-hmm. in San Francisco. And yeah, it's just full of emotion. And I, I really hope that you all get a chance to come and watch it with us. We've got a couple cool special guests that will be there on that Wednesday night, October 16th. It's 7 p.m., by the way, at Century Theater in Redwood City. The most important one would be Daniel Carslake, who is the filmmaker. And Coming from Berlin. Right? Yeah, yeah. So he'll be at the Seattle Film Festival the day before, uh, or two days before, and then he's coming down to film with my, my church in Novato, actually. So he'll be Tuesday night, the 15th, in Novato, and Wednesday, the 16th, in Redwood City. And we also have a couple other people. Uh, we have one artist who is not confirmed, so I won't say the name yet. And then another person who is an advocate in this space who hasn't confirmed yet. But we'll have a good conversation. Um, if you are if you are interested in faith and sexuality, come. If you want to be an ally to people in the LGBTQ plus community, come. If you are LGBTQ plus, come. If you are willing to engage in a conversation and maybe you aren't an ally yet, then come too. I think this is an mm-hmm. important film for many of us uh, This in this 2019 space and who we are as a people, politically and spiritually. Just as human beings, we need to have this story be told. And I, I, I guarantee you will be provoked in some ways, and I hope it ends up being good. Um, but it means a lot for uh, us as a community and the things we stand for as, uh, as the brave as brave maker. Uh, we think this is a perfect film for the discussions that we want to have. So we hope yes. to see you. And if, I'll just put this out there: if ever money is an issue for you, you could email us and we will make something happen. Um, we might not always be able to give full free tickets, but we'll give a discount. Sometimes we can. Sometimes we can give free tickets. And the best way to see our things for free is to volunteer. Yeah. <laughs> so if you like these movies and money hinders you, then just show up early. I'll contact us first. Uh, be on our team. Be a greeter. Help set up. Help take down. And you can see it for free. You can email me at Tony at BraveMaker.com yeah. or... Rebecca at BraveMaker.com. R-E-B-E-K-A-H. It's felt a little different. It's the biblical way, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> You're so holy. That's so yeah. good. <laughs> also, I just want to mention, keep putting it out there because we have our film fest dates mm, already. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And those will be May 15th and 16th. And right? 17th. And yep. 17th, yep. Uh, 2020. Yep. Filmmakers are already submitting. You can, yep. And if you are a filmmaker, you can submit on free Film Freeway. I don't think we know when the tickets will go on sale, but just keep it in your, it's like a save the date. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, thank you for reminding. We already, we just watched one today, uh, one of the short films that were submitted. So there's already some excitement brewing for what what is going to happen. All right, enjoy Jesse Garcia. Bye. Brave stories change the world. You are the story. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Brave Maker Podcast. Tony Gapastone here. And my guest today 
is Jesse Garcia. Howdy. Jesse and I met actually just a year ago, exactly a year ago, August 2018. We were both involved in a friend's, who was also on the podcast, Jeremy Valdez, a friend's son's baptism. You were That's doing, right. you were yeah, doing yeah. the photography, remember? Yeah. The cool thing about that was, so we're, we're just chatting. I mean, we're, we have, you know, Jeremy's our mutual friend. We're both, you know, uh, doing this cool thing for him. It's all about his son. Uh, Jesse's shooting pictures and afterwards we're just popping, you know, appetizers in our mouths and stuff and, you know, like actually getting a chance to talk and Jesse's like, oh yeah, what do you do? I'm like, okay, this is what I do. He's like, this is what I do. And uh, he's like, well, actually I got this film that, that might be good for what you guys are doing up with Brave Maker. And at that point we had not even started booking our films. We were just, uh, at least for monthly, we were just doing a, a film fest once a year. Mm-hmm. And so when you got me connected with your film that you act in and produce, which we'll talk about today, uh, and then got me connected to Richard, the director, boom, all of a sudden Collisions was our very first monthly film screening. And from that time, we've been like screening a film every month. Oh, very cool. Started with Collisions. Very cool. Yeah. I That's love awesome. that. I love that, dude. So we'll get there first. So, all right. So people know you as an actor. You've got a ton of different credits, man. You're on some things that are coming out soon that we can't even talk about that we'll have to post after the fact. But our audience knows you as the main star of this film called Collisions. You were in a sci-fi show called From Dust Till Dawn, which was based on a Robert Rodriguez film. You had a breakout film called Quinceanera, which I have to drop name drop my friend Robertino, who's a Brave Maker uh, leader. Who That's like, he's like... Desi Garcia, quinceanera. So let's just talk about how you got into the, the acting world. How'd, how'd you start? Uh, I mean, my joke is, is that I started in, a, in the second grade when I did a play, but that was about it. And I took like a 20-year hiatus. Um, let me shut this window. Yeah, go for it. My neighbor's dogs are the worst. Thanks for doing uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Take two when you're ready. How'd you get it? Uh, um, all right. So I never wanted to be an actor. That was, that was never on my radar. Um, uh, I'm, I'm yeah, from Wyoming and uh, it... it it just wasn't something that I ever really thought about. I, mean, I thought it'd be fun to do plays and stuff like that, but um, it's, you know, it's not, it wasn't something I wanted to do. Uh, I mean, the short, the shortest kind of version of it is I met this girl in one of my classes when I was going to school in the university of Nebraska. Um, I was a cheerleader. I had a cheerleading scholarship in college and that's your cheerleader. Me. Yeah, dude. Yes. Uh, <laughs> that's what put me through college. Actually, uh, um, you know, between all the grants and scholarships and the cheerleading scholarship, it, uh, I made actually a little bit of money at the end of it. Dude, we uh, need, can you send us some pictures? Can we post some pictures about that? Sure. <laughs> that's sure, amazing. Sure. <laughs> um, there's some after war Facebook friends are on my Facebook page. Um, uh, and then, so I met this girl, Jennifer Drossick in one of my, one of my classes, it was a nutrition class, um, tall, beautiful, blonde, uh, sweetheart. And we met, uh, like we'd see each other on campus and she told me she was going to this actor model search thing in Chicago. Uh, gosh, this was back in, in 2000. 
Um, and I go, oh, and she's like, oh, I want to be an actor and model. I'm like, oh, that'd be fun. But, you know, this, you, you think about it every now and then, but it's not realistic. Um, and I go, let me know how it goes. And then a few weeks later, I see her again, and she goes, I met this guy named Judson Vaughn. He has these classes in Atlanta, Georgia called What Films. Um, he invited me to go, and you should, you should come with me. And I go, nah, nah, I don't think so. And like, in my head, I'm like, one, I don't know you, <laughs> this girl. And two, I don't know you. <laughs> yeah. And three, I had a, basically a full-ride scholarship and going to you know major university and, and partying and having a good time. And um, um, But the end of the school year, I, I talked to her more about it. She goes, I've been talking to him about you, Judson. And he wants to talk to you if you're interested. So I called him and we talked for about 45 minutes. Um, and within that little interview that we, he basically gave me, he said, well, if you're, if you're serious about it, you should come down and, and um, take some classes and see if it's for you. Um, so that night, I literally packed up everything in Nebraska that I didn't need that wasn't a necessity. You know, buy TV, VCR, nothing that couldn't fit in my car. Um, and drove back to Wyoming that night and told my parents that I was moving to Atlanta, Georgia in a week to, to study acting. And my mom goes, all right, well, if you need any help, let us know. Which freaked, like, tripped me out because she freaked out that I wanted to move three hours away to my first junior college. So I stayed there for a week, went back to Nebraska, picked up Jennifer, drove straight through like 17 or 18 hours to Atlanta, Georgia, get there, um... Oh, this is trippy. Labor Day weekend, Memorial Day weekend, 2000, and started classes that week. So you know, but you know, start start doing uh, uh, you know do, do a couple classes a week. There we learned to write, direct, act, and produce because we were doing our own showcase. We were writing our own scenes. Everything was original material. Um, uh, we would do really great writing exercises every class. We would write every class and put up our scenes. So we would nothing that's ever been on TV or uh, movies that's ever been pro produced or screened was ever in. We, we did, always did original material. So it was, it was a bit of a think tank, but it's also a proving ground to see what works and what could be developed. Um, it's, it's like it's way ahead of its time. Um, but I stayed in Atlanta for three and a half years. Uh, I think within four or five months, I, my friends told me about this movie. A guy dropped out of this movie. They brought me into audition for it. And uh, I auditioned on set, and they go, great. You come tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. And, and do this movie. It's like my first audition ever. What? Uh, audition ever. I booked this like supporting role in this really kind of slapstick comedy called Delivery Boy Chronicles. Uh, my first uh, stereotype role is called In Mexican Leaf Blower. Um, oh, no. That was the yeah. name of your character. Yeah. Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was a really fun role. I had a good time with my friends. Um, uh, we had a lot of fun, and I, you know, I, at the time, very first thing I ever did, I really didn't know any technique about knowing what a camera is, and you know, stuff that you learn over twenty years. Mm -hmm. um, but I had a lot of fun. It was like a really great experience, kind of right out the gate. You know, four or five months in in, in Atlanta doing a, a really cool movie with a lot of bunch of friends who were really great uh, and a supporting role. So I worked like two or three weeks on this movie and kind of did small things here and there. 
throughout my three and a half years in, in, in Atlanta. Um, now, wait, back up. Did you end up graduating from University of Wyoming? No. So you uh, Nebraska. Out? Nebraska. Nebraska, no, I dropped. So you dropped out at, at what year? Wow, I went to two years. I went to two years of junior college at Eastern Wyoming College. Okay. Uh, I had a great time. So much fun. Um, but I changed majors so many times. I went from computer science. Uh, I did my computer science the first semester. Bombed it. Just wasn't just... It's not how my brain works. Uh, then I went to computer applications. And I just wanted... I thought computers was the way to go. You know, I don't... When you're young and... Uh, don't really have any guidance. You, I kind of picked something that I thought I could make money in and, you know, live a blue collar life that, you know, support myself. And it was no, the, the, you know, I always had a creative part uh, of my soul that needed to be feeding, be fed, but it, it wasn't realistic. You know what I mean? So I went, wanted to go into computer networking, do something that I think I felt like I could do, but still make a decent living. Um, so I did two years of that. I went from computer science to computer applications to, uh, to general. And, and uh, you know, the, from a two-year junior college, I still didn't get my associate's degree, whatever it's called. Um, and then I got the, the scholarship to the University of Nebraska. I sent out tapes to everywhere. I actually got some really cool offers. I, I could have went to the University of Hawaii to, to study uh, and be a cheerleader, but the scholarship was wasn't great um would have been for the experience of living in Hawaii really the only thing but Nebraska paid for basically everything with my grants and scholarships um uh yeah so then I went to then I was studying exercise science and kind of uh kinesiology stuff like that I'm already good stuff that I'm already good at but school wasn't my thing it wasn't you know I wasn't studying I look back at it and I wish I would have taken the art classes that I really wanted to take. So if I had to give my advice to myself back in college, um, it would be to, because college, and college ended up being free, um, which is a luxury that most people don't have. Sure, sure. Um, I would have taken the photography classes that I wanted. I would take the pottery classes. I would take all the art classes because that's what I really liked anyway. I mean, the exercise stuff I was really good at, and I didn't really learn anything from the classes that I was taking because it was just, you know, chemistry and this and that. Well, it's all important. I never, you know, it's something I, I, you know, I never used. Yeah. You know, and I was never going to be a trainer on the sports team. But what I knew, what, what I know of you now though, it's cool. It's like full circle. That's such a part of your life. Oh, for sure. Right? For sure. I mean, yeah, kind of organically yeah, yeah, yeah. came yeah. out, right? Yeah. That's yeah. cool. And I love that you, you are not the stereotypical cheerleader, like what you would expect, you know, like, so I love that's part of your story. That's really cool, man. Okay. So, so then you, you moved to Atlanta and your parents were cool with you dropping out of college. The, the, every, honestly, everything that I've done as far as, even since I was early teens, um, I, I would get a job to make sure that I got, had, had money to pay for school clothes. Um, you know, of course they put a roof over my head and fed me and, and did all the things that parents are supposed to do. But the big life choices that I made were all mine. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I was going to do whatever I wanted to do regardless. So I wasn't, I didn't need the approval from my parents. I was going to do it anyway. I got their approval, which is wonderful, but I didn't need it because that's not, I I felt, I guess I feel like from, I'm just realizing it now that I didn't, I 
I learned or was part of me from an early age is that I don't need uh, approval from others to pursue what I want to do. You know what I mean? Dude, that's not an easy thing to learn, but that is like such a key, you know, for yeah. the creative life. That's huge. Wow. How, I'm also curious, how has your, how did your growing up or family of origin, if you can take a little detour, sort of develop who you are as a person now, like today as a human being, Jesse Garcia? Because a lot of your roles are very much a story of the Latinx community, right? Like you are a representative of the journey of what it means to be, you know, a, a Latino in, in America. How did that play out in your real life and how has that kind of driven you to some of the roles that you do today? You know, honestly, I had to learn a lot of that stuff as, as an adult because I grew up in a small town in Wyoming. My dad's Mexican. He's from Mexico, but my mom's uh, a mixed race. She, and we're still trying to figure out everything, but she'll probably do a DNA test. But um, definitely Spanish, and it's probably Native American there somewhere. But my dad's Mexican. And, of course, Mexicans are either a mix of, of Spanish or Irish or French and Native American Mexican, right? So that's how, that's where the Spanish, that's where the Mexican culture comes from, is from, because of the people from Europe, they came and, you know, uh, colonized. Colonized, yeah. For, for the, <laughs> the nicest term I could think yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, so there's, I, I, I basically grew up without uh, a strong Mexican culture okay. in the family. My dad used to, my parents used to look to listen to Spanish music, but we didn't, there wasn't any um, traditions, Mexican traditions, Latino traditions that we followed throughout my youth. Uh, and it really wasn't until I moved to L.A. in late 2003, 2004, and especially 2005, when I did a movie called Walkout that was telling the story of the 1968 high school walkouts in East L.A. And Edward James was almost directed. The cast was Latino. We did, um, before we even started shooting, we kind of did classes where we learned about all the stuff that was really going on because it was a true story. And it was, it was a, I, I really felt like it was right around then is where I started to kind of like my mind was blowing up that I didn't, these are things that I missed uh, throughout my childhood. You know I mean? So I didn't really have uh, the, the Latinx, the, the, the traditional Latinx experience. I missed that part of that. I didn't grow up speaking Spanish. Mm. Um, I'm having to learn it as an adult. Yeah, you're picking um, it up, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have no choice, you know what I mean? Um, a lot of the roles, I'm sure, right? Yeah, I mean, I just did this other show that I needed to speak a lot of Spanish, um, so I, I had to do it. Um, but yeah, I didn't really grow up with a strong Mexican uh, traditions and culture within my, my family life. It was, you know, it was there, but it wasn't part of daily living. So in some way, I mean, do you think, like, do you, do you attribute a lot of your kind of maybe evolving as a, a, a proud Latino in America to the work that you're doing, like the stories that you're telling? Is that something you would, you would look back and say, like, if it wasn't for that, maybe you wouldn't have the appreciation or be who you are today in some way? Um, I don't know. That's an interesting question. I... Um I mean, there's, there's really a big part of me that wishes that I, that was a bigger part of my life when I was younger, but you know, that's just not how I grew up. That's, yeah. you know, my parents, that my mom's from Wyoming. Um, her whole family's from Wyoming. Uh, so that's when we grew up kind of like, uh, mountain area, uh, Midwestish high country lifestyle. You know what I mean? Um, um, <laughs> 
I like to call the the Latinos in in that area because everyone they, there's kind of there's kind of a fun there's a funny accent that I I probably had too in high school that um, but you go back and I listen and it's a little bit kind of like a bit of a country draw mm-hmm. but with a California influence and I call my you know I call everybody over there red Mexicans uh-huh. Uh-huh. it's a little bit a little bit country a little bit Mexican uh-huh. um, so I grew up I grew up definitely grew up country I grew up you know my you know aunts and uncles always went hunting and fishing and I would go with them um, so I didn't so I yeah I guess I didn't grow up with the traditional Latino lifestyle or cult- cultures and traditions but it's hard to say if that was an influence because I, I, I've always studied and was fascinated with different kind of cultures. I grew up very religious. I grew up in a, in a Jehovah's Witness household. Ah, interesting. Um, I know I'm no longer practicing. Um, and I haven't been practicing for 20 some years. I just feel like that's not part of my life. Yeah. Are your family, uh, is your family still involved there? My, I think my mom kind of still has a foundation belief system in that, but my, my dad doesn't go. My sister, I don't think my sister goes anymore. Um, and I kind of, uh, I, I abandoned that a long, long time ago when I was probably 17 or 18. Um, gosh, where, where was I going? What was your question? Well, I mean, just talking about the development, your, your development as a, as a person and how stories in the film world sort of influence your understanding of your culture. Oh, and I was saying how I'm really fascinated with different kind of cultures and, yeah. and um, and it's, and it's, and it's, uh, and, and I think that part of that is kind of just in my nature and in my spirit where I, um, you know, it's, there's certain things that you, you learn and are taught like belief systems and opinions and, Da, 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 da. But I feel like there's also something that's deeper within you that's part of just part of your nature. Yeah. And for me, it was like when I learned, we were learning about the civil rights movement and enslavement and that kind of stuff. The stuff that they, you know, the, the stuff that they like, they choose to teach us in, in school. I was, you know, I didn't know black and white. There was no black families in, in small town. It's a small town called Hannah. It's like literally 800 people in this town that I grew up in. There's no black families, it's, you know, it's white and there's some Hispanic and, or Mexican or whatever. Um, and I don't even think there's any Asian. So it's like a very, not very diverse, mm. culturally diverse um, town. Uh, but I still felt uh, there was, some, there was uh, some, you know, a fire inside me. Like, why, how, there's, there's no difference between, you know, the cultures. Why would one be enslaved to the other? Yeah. And nobody, nobody taught me that. Nobody taught me the difference between that being good or bad. It was just something that was part of my nature. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, I'm learning. I'm, I'm still constantly learning. I'm still constantly involved in, you know, learning different things and looking past the surface. We, with Brave Maker, talk a lot about how <laughs> stories change the way we see the world. Like, that's why we're so into, you know, film screenings and having dialogue with, the filmmakers and the creators and the actors, because these stories are putting out, you know, uh, ideas. They're helping us understand that there's these stereotypes maybe that we have that maybe we've even created through media in the past aren't actually what they are, right? So, mm-hmm. um, looking at your list, dude, like you've got so many uh, credits <laughs> under your belt. <laughs> you've been on so many shows. You've been. I even saw. Were you in? 
a, an Avengers movie as a as a small part, like one back in the mm-hmm. early days. That's awesome. Yeah, dude. I was in the very first one. Yeah, <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, I was. Uh, what's when the ship was going down? Where they're being attacked, and Sam Jackson was yelling at me to turn it around. Or You're like a, te- a tech guy or something on the uh, thing, right? A navigator, I think. I navigator, was like okay. running my hands along the computer generated screen. That's so cool. So, so going back to when you're in Georgia, you said you booked your first real audition for a supporting role. Uh, how did you start in those early days just basically making, making ends meet? Were you getting enough work to live off of acting? Were you hustling oh, no. on the side? How to, get us up Definitely to speed not. on that. Um, so second day, uh, we arrived. We actually, I think the first night, uh, we arrived in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, Jennifer and I... They, she, we were given the code to the keys to get into the acting school and we slept on the floor hmm. and, and on the stage in the acting class. Like we slept on the floor until uh, Judson came and woke us up and we stayed at his house for a few weeks. But the second day I was in town, I ended up getting this, um, this job as a, you know, a assistant for personal trainer at the local Gold's gym, uh, getting paid terrible. Um, but, uh, I, and back then, you know, 2000 rent wasn't even that expensive. It was like five or 600 bucks for an apartment. Um, but you know, 20, 21, 20, 21 years old, it's, it's a lot of money. I moved down there with like $300 in my pocket. Yeah. I don't know. Dang. Um, um, and, and that was a lot to me, you know, 300 bucks. Like, all right, I'm make it work. And I spent most of it on gas. Mm-hmm. Just getting there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just winged it and just winged it. So I started working personal trainer and in Atlanta, uh, we, I got hooked up with some of the other actors from class and the local actors. We would do costume jobs. So we, I, and it paid a ton of money. Costume you know? jobs? Like what do you mean? Yeah, costume? costume jobs. So I, I remember one job that, that they painted me up as an Oscar statuette for a oh. party. And I got paid like a hundred bucks an hour to do, you know, four hours, four or five hours worth of work. It was, it was awful. It was so hot and <laughs> it was terrible. And even for that money, I probably, I would probably never do it again until it made a time book a movie and I have to. Um, um, but I did other jobs too. Like I remember being a bear mascot in the middle of Atlanta summer dying in this thing oh, being a mascot it, is the worst dude. worst we're always dancing around i don't care the if it's worst. like 60 degrees outside they're still so hot inside like it's so hot. the worst dude. i had ice pack vest oh. it was worst the worst so um we would do the actors would they they would hire actors to do some of the conventions in, in atlanta to uh just entertain people that are going to the conventions and make sure that they know information because we were yeah you know, we had the, the endurance to to be on, you know, for eight hours a day. Yeah. And get paid like 25 bucks an hour. You know what I mean? We'd make back in 2000, 2001 through three, it's a lot of money for basically under the table. Yeah. So there was a bunch of little small gigs and, you know, I would, as the time went on, my personal training, uh, clientele would build up. So I was making okay money for, you know, for a struggling actor. Did you ever have to wait tables? No, I never did. It was always personal training. <laughs> That's yeah. great. Yeah. One of the rare, one of the rare people who had Yeah. <laughs> I too, I waited tables, but I also, I did singing telegrams and I should not be singing, <laughs> but there was like one song that I could kind of fake. It was like this birthday song. It was like, birthdays come but once a year. And I would like totally 
Like, when they come, they bring good cheese. I would totally make it sound like it was just cheese ball. And I got paid yeah, yeah. similar. Like, you know, by that's the funny. hour, I have to bring balloons and dress up. And I look back at it now, like, that's so funny. And I want to do, like, a, a film around it. But it was, like, humiliating because you're just you're like a prop. You know what I mean? And sure. it, it wasn't really acting. But you have to do that. Everybody, you have to do something while you're pursuing. But there's a certain type of person that can do that and still get away with it. Yeah, but totally. Because you, you, you have to sell it. Yeah, you I would do. I would do uh, bird, kids' birthday parties. I would be Spider-Man. Oh, dude. Dude, and the mom kind of fun were, in some way. It was fun. <laughs> paint faces, balloons. Yeah, yeah. I used to know how to tie all the balloons and make a bunch of animals. Um, but the the moms were crazy. You'd be wearing these tight outfits, going, yeah, dude. Come on, <laughs> not even tripping. Getting some butt cheeks right. squeezed. Uh, I don't think I ever got groped, but <laughs> oh. they'd be whispering in my ear, like, "You want to, you know, sling your web and hang me from the roof or whatever?" Oh, like, you did. <laughs> swear to God. Swear, dude. They, that is the mom, so moms are moms were no joke. Moms have a little attraction for Spider Man. Who, who and it's knew? like I was wearing a mask. They had no idea. What I was. <laughs> Not a clue. Not a clue. That's the mystery. It's the mystery is what so <laughs> makes funny. it attractive. Oh, dude, I love that. Yeah. Okay, so what's what, what's like the first role that you got where you felt like okay, this is uh, I'm, I'm getting some traction here. I'm feeling as if I have. You know, I'm, you know, not the word arrived, but I have some ability to say I am an actor. Like I'm a professional actor now. When was that? When did you get that? Um, well, I mean, there's a couple of different stages of that. I think that one of the first times that I, I remember getting paid the first time I did an acting gig and it's really industrial. So an industrial, like training videos, mm-hmm. uh, for anyone who doesn't know, they're training videos, like something, people who work at Verizon or McDonald's. Um, and I, I think I've done those too. Uh, I would, I've done tons of industrials. They would, you do basically instructional videos, how to do blah, 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 blah. Sexual uh, harassment training. Sure. HR sure, stuff. Sure. Uh, it's not very I mean, glamorous. I, I, I did one that had to do with schools or something like it was the dialogue. Nothing interesting. Oh, so bad. Um, Writing is usually so bad. But it's like, it's like you have to make it entertaining and da, 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 da. So there's some skill involved in it. It's just not fun. Yeah. But I remember getting the check for it uh, and going, this is a lot of money. And I'm going, this is pretty cool. Um, Acting is great. (laughs) And, um, um, but the real, my first real gig. So I did this, this, uh, this movie that hasn't come out. Hopefully it never come out. (laughs) 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 It was my first kind of like big role in a movie that um yeah what's it called it's called uh, i'm not even gonna say the name of it so i don't want it to come out um <laughs> but it was right before quinceanera and okay. but so the the thing about that movie that i'm grateful for is that it prepared me to be okay with comfortable being on set okay right so quinceanera was my first big movie and uh it was a lead role um and that was in 2006 we shot that in 2005 it came out in 2006 okay okay um uh, so it's a, that's also a cool story. So when I was living in Atlanta, uh, I would go to casting workshops and you know, I was starting to become re- back to between 2000 and 2003, late 2003, uh, the casting directors were starting to really like me. They didn't know who I am. And it's a really small market back in the day. This is way before t- uh, Tyler Perry. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there, there was very few things going on there, but People were liking me. The, 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 the agents all liked me. And back, I don't know if it's the same still, but you could have multiple agents and 
and they would, you know, people would send you out. So I, and, and over there too, you would have to drive to do any kind of series auditions. You would have to drive from Atlanta to Wilmington, North Carolina, which is like a seven hour drive to do a co-star read. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? Um, so you would drive that far just to have an opportunity to be in something. And, you know, I never booked anything. Some people, you know, people of course did. I, I never booked anything. I remember reading for um, uh, One Tree Hill, the pilot for One Tree Hill, and they had written in a bunch of Latino characters, a couple of Latino characters. And I get there, I get the audition, and this was before I, I knew that I could ask and say, okay, I just got here, but I'm wired. Uh, can I do this tomorrow? You know what I mean? So now I know, like, if, I, if I'm not feeling right, or for something, if I don't feel well or something like that, can, is there another day I can do it? Back in the day, I didn't know that, that I could do that. And come to find out, people were going in the next day. But I had drank a pot of coffee on the way to the audition seven hours away. And I got there, and I was like, <laughs> I couldn't say one word. And it was, uh, I left, and I left, and it just bombed me so hard. And I had, uh, seven, I had a seven-hour ride on the way uh, home. About it. That's the worst. The worst. Um, that's a long drive for an audition. A long drive. Dang. Oh, dude. dude. I mean, you know, they don't have to do it anymore because there's plenty of opportunities. In right. Uh, back in the wow. day, and I had an expedition too, so I was like, just you know, cost Dropping me hundreds of dollars. <laughs> yeah, it just cost me a hundred bucks just in gas to go and come back. Wow. Um. Uh, okay. So the reason I'm telling you is, uh, so I would do. I remember doing this casting workshop uh, that Jason Wood was doing in Atlanta, and uh, it was a weekend thing, and he would come. This is where he started casting in Atlanta. This is where he, he was first based. So uh, I did the shop, this workshop, and a couple years later, I had moved to, to L.A., and I was looking online. As soon as I got to L.A. in 2003, I, re I started going online. I think that now, now casting was a thing back then. I don't know what's online anymore. Uh, but I, I would submit myself for everything, student films, movies. Uh, I would self-submit to casting directors for co-stars, guest stars, whatever, uh, before I had a manager and an agent. And I saw that there was a casting for uh, this movie called Quinceanera. And I looked it up and I saw, the, I recognized the casting director, uh, Jason, and I, and I emailed him. I still had his email. And I go, hey man, I'm, I'm I've just I moved to LA. Um, I don't know if you cast the lead yet, but I would love like like forget about it. Like if I'm, I may as well go for the lead. Like I'm not. What do I got to lose? Sure. And he goes, no, we haven't. You should come in this day and and wow. and do a read. And um, and I went in, and he goes, man, it's really great. You should come come in Friday or so, whatever it was, and have a call back with the directors. So I went in that Friday and uh, read for them, and they go, really great. So can you stick around and do a chemistry read with some of the girls and blah, 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 blah. And I remember Emily going in, and as the girls coming in and out, I go, I don't know who you're going to cast, and I don't even know if I get to be in it. But Emily, who just uh -huh. left, I go, she's awesome. Uh -huh. She's really great. And I, you know, I did my thing during the day and I left and I got a call later that I broke the movie and, and it paid me. It's a non-union movie. They shot it for now. It's funny because back then it was pennies. You know, this is 2005. It, it was, was what? Pennies. It was pennies. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, I think they, they like, got what, it. hundred bucks a day or something like that? Would you no, get? no, no. Not even that. Really? Uh, 
Yeah, for sure. No, but they shot the movie for I, I can't remember what it was like one hundred eighty-five thousand, like a, like around under two hundred thousand. But back in two thousand five, that was um, yeah. You know, that's right. when people had money. Yeah, you know what I mean. So it was a very low budget, and it was and the. It was shot, I think it was shot on MDV, HDV hmm. camera. I'm not even sure remember what it was. But um, but I only got paid $1,000 to do that movie. The whole movie? Not, the whole movie. Was that yeah. like a two-week shoot? How, how long? 19 days or something like okay. that. So it was like a three-week shoot. Okay. Um, but it was a non-union movie. I, got, I didn't know anything about it. I didn't have anybody negotiate for me. I was like, all right, cool, let's do this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but... You know, as we're shooting it, I'm going like, "Oh, this feels really great. I feel super comfortable on set." And the first, um, I think, it's safe to talk about it. the first scene that I shot, the first dialogue scene that I shot in the movie was the eulogy, was a thing at the end, the speech at the end, and I, I knew if I didn't get that eulogy right, the movie wouldn't work. Yeah, like I would be, I would just be garbage. That, I, you know, I could be good for the rest of the movie, but if I don't get that. It, you know, it kind of ruins the movie. So I ended up getting it. on like, we did two takes of it. We got a, the best take they used was the second one. Wow. Uh, and Elisa Sixto, who was sitting in like part of the, the eulogy crowd, that she was there with me. So she helped me out a lot. I was able to feed off of her. I remember that. She was very specific with her. Um, but that was my first, that was my first one. And once that, and then right after that, I booked Walkout which was my first studio movie. So my confidence was high and I had started booking a lot of, um, a lot of commercials and making a little bit of money and feeling good. And once you get the desperation out of your system and feeling like every one of these has to go, you know what I mean? Then things start working. So um, let me ask you, did you have walkout as a connection from Quinceanera? Was there somebody who opened the door for that? Was it a cold audition? Was it, did you have the coattails of Quinceanera say, look at my work here? How did that all happen? Because so, side note, I wanted to, for the listeners, I think that's huge. One is that you, you use the connections that you had when you moved to LA. You had to make your own, you had to knock on your own doors and open your own doors Yeah, with the relationships that you had. Because yeah. you weren't just sitting around waiting for someone to come to you. Absolutely you not. You were proactive. No, absolutely not. And I'm, I still don't do that. I still, I'm still shooting my short films and and um, and kind of maintaining a, a the, the attitude of of I have to make things happen for myself. So the there's walkout happened. So it must have been because we shot that in 2005 as well. So walkout. I remember reading. I auditioned for Walkout in 2004, it must have been, the first round, because they did a first round of auditions when uh, the movie was first starting production, and I remember bombing the audition oh, and, being, no. and being super upset with myself that I didn't uh, didn't do well for this for this audition because I felt like this was a good opportunity for me and I really enjoyed, uh, really enjoyed the story and I wanted to be a part of it. But I bombed it, and I like I was upset with myself, and I, and it and it went away. Um, uh, spring, summer, whatever it was of two thousand, late spring of two thousand five, the walkout came back around, and my manager told me about it. I'm like, cool, get me an audition. And at that time, my head was still shaved from from quinceanera, and I think we were just doing a reshoot. Yeah, you played a very like. Uh 
like special character in, in Keenson. Yeah, you're like super shaved, super yeah. clean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, and and of course, in '68, everyone has long hair, and uh, and the casting said, "Well, I think he might be a little bit too old to play to play this character." And I told my manager, I "said Give me, get me the sides. I will take myself this weekend." Um, and she got me the sides and I got the sides for one of the high school kids and well, the girl I was dating at the time was a school teacher. I, I had a little mini DV cam that I had bought with one of my commercial paychecks. We went to the, one of the classrooms, set it up. I, that same weekend I went out and bought like a vintage army jacket from Vietnam time. I uh, got a brown beret. Just looked the part. So I did this. We shot this audition tape in this school that was kind of a little rundown school in L.A. And it looked like it was 1968. Hmm. Um, and Sorry. sent the tape sent the tape in and casting loved it. They said, all right, cool. Uh, we love the tape. Have him come in and, and meet with Larry James Almost to do a callback. And I'm like, holy shit. It's, and I... And I Went in and my I didn't have of course I didn't have the brown beret on right and uh, he came he came over to me and he, and he fixed my, <laughs> my my beret and put it to the side like how it's supposed to be and um, and he goes which role which which role did you prepare and those three of them and I go all of them I prepared all of them and he goes okay start with one so we did end up doing all three roles and and he looks at me and goes you're gonna love this script. <laughs> And, um, and I'm like, what in my head? I'm going, what does that even mean? What does that mean? Uh, so the end of book in the movie ended up being part of this huge cast where I met Jeremy. Yeah. Awesome. That's where I met, that's where I met Jeremy and kind of that, that whole crew became the foundation of my, yeah. you know, Latino actor friends. Yeah. And that but that's, I think that story and eventually I'll put that story out and I'll put my audition tape out. I was going to uh, say, that would be cool. Do you have that yeah, somewhere? Yeah, I do have it. I do have it. And I'll put it out on Instagram at some point. Yeah, I'll, tell, I'll tell that story and put it out. That's fun. So I think it's kind of a cool thing because it's always been part of my process and and that I, you know, will go the extra step to make sure that at least I have given all, given everything for the opportunity to be in something that I want to be in. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And people, you know, I wanted it more than anybody else. And they found a spot for me. I ended up being too old for the part that they wanted that, or they just wanted Ethan Ramirez to play it. Um, uh, you know, cause I was unknown and Quinceanera hadn't come, come out yet. And I got the news that Quinceanera was going to Sundance while we were shooting that. Wow. Um, which was kind of a cool, like the whole, the whole, that whole era of my life was pretty magical. Mm. Um, but it's important for, what was for me. And that still kind of carried on is that I still do these tapes and I'd make sure all my self tapes look like short films and I put in put in time and effort into I color correct and I do I light how I feel like it should be lit and and I make it look cinematic and I and I don't you know put in minimal effort for for something that is my living you know yeah it's your job you have you have to treat this like yeah. like your business it's not just a little hobby you do on the side yeah. you invest everything in which uh could you also talk about that also comes with a lot of rejection. You can invest a lot of time into doing these character development, into you know 
learning these lines into going and finding a wardrobe, putting yourself on tape, going driving across town for an audition, for a callback, for a third, for a test, for a screen, all this stuff, and still not get the part, right? That's a, that's a part of the business. Can you talk about that a little bit? Um, yeah, I mean, it is a part of the business. And there's been like, there's been two or three times throughout my career over the past 20 years that, um, you know, I've debated about quitting. Yeah. Um, I've been super broke and, and having to, you know, fight the demons that this might not be right for me, even, even as recent as, uh, a few years ago, you know what I mean? Even after all the success that I've had, it's, it's, I came off of doing from dust till dawn and really didn't work for two and a half years. Yeah. I remember you were telling me about even like last year, you were saying like you were like uh, it was like a hustle. This is before you had booked this big thing that's coming out soon. Yeah, you were feeling and you were even wrestling with that. Like, ah, uh, do I do this? Blah blah. It seemed like you know it's never it's never like I've arrived. It's like I'm oh, man, these yeah. little arrivals here and there. Um, yeah, and it's been different. And and I have to keep and I, there's several times I have to look at myself and go, okay, what's what's really the issue here? What's what am I? Because it can be hard on your soul. And I had some of my other friends who just yeah. you know. Are more successful than I am. They, it's just hard on your soul. Like you, you are literally judged by the way you look. Um, uh, If you look, if you look or remind somebody of somebody that they know would do or don't like their ex husband. uh, Um, not don't cast him. He's got that look. Sure, sure. I've got the wrong astrological sign. (laughs) You know, it could be anything. and you're judged from the second they see you. Yeah, I mean, it depends if it doesn't matter if you, you've got you know seventy credits or. Yep. Um, so it can be tough. It can be tough, but um, at the same time, you know, I've been had some. I've had some really great success, um, and I can't think of anything. I mean, I've done other things too. In cars, I have a. I, I'm you know I have a thing with cars that I you know I buy and sell cars sometimes. And I'm, you know, I like building houses and properties and remodeling stuff. That all makes me happy too. But there's always, it always comes back to filmmaking and telling stories, and um, which is funny because it was never part of my initial mm, dream. I love one. that, man. Uh, so that's, there's, a, there's, so having this relates to that. I was doing the Pee Wee Herman show on Broadway. Year, I, yeah, I don't think I, I knew that, dude. No? <laughs> no. So, so that whole so. Um, I'll tell you that story. Uh, it's, <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember how, when it was that I, that we, we did the show the first time, 2009, maybe 2010. Um, so I get the, the call from my manager saying, Hey, there's a, uh, there's an audition for the Pee Herman show. It's going to be, it's going to be playing here in is LA it with Paul Rubens, with Paul Rubens. That's what I asked. I go, is this with Paul Rubens or is it like someone is yeah. it just, and they go, no, Paul Rubens is doing it. I'm like, you're like, okay. okay, I mean, like, I, really I really don't do plays. Sure. I don't have nothing against them. I would love to do, actually do more plays. Yeah. But they, they are a big time commitment. And, you know, if. Different it's, medium than film, right? Medium. Oh. And if you're, if you're in LA, their focus is TV and film. Uh, plays definitely take a backseat. And, you know, uh, and oftentimes they don't really pay that well. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a union play, so it was going to pay okay. And it was during the winter. And I go, there's really nothing going on in LA during the winter. So. Yeah, I'll go on and read for it. And I remember, this is kind of like lazy of me, but I remember uh, being home the day 
the day of the audition, I'm going, God, I wish I know I'm forgetting something today. And I look through my schedule. I'm like, oh, shit, I have 45 minutes to get to my audition, and I haven't even looked at it. What the? That's a, that seems rare compared to what you were talking yeah, about before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've definitely, I've definitely had my lazy moments. <laughs> um, um, so I put some, you know, changed my into something I think is appropriate. Uh, race from Venice to Hollywood and Highland, which is not an easy drive in the middle of the day. Uh, it took me forty-five minutes to get there. I get there, and this, there's, you know, it's a play with. Peter Herman, it's, you know, it's big and it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm supposed to have, and I'm not a trained dancer, but I'm supposed to have, there's like three or four dances within the scene. Oh my gosh. That, you know, it's great. That probably, I probably should know something, but I literally do like a, a one, two, three salsa step for each one of them. And I, and Paul was super sweet and I, my audition turned out really great. And I go, all right. Cool. What was the character? Uh, Sergio, the handyman. It was uh, oh from the show. So like there no, was a new character. It was a, a oh okay okay a brand new character for the play. Okay. Um. Um. Because there was like a post a postman right and a neighbor woman and all that stuff. Okay. So they so added my, my my character was a brand new character that he added to the show. And you booked it. I ended up booking it, but uh, so I go home. I go. Oh, it was really fun. Didn't like. Didn't think anything of it, um, and and I go. They go call back. You have a call back on Friday, whatever it is. So Friday comes around again. I'm at home watching TV on the computer doing something. God, I feel like there's something I got to do today. I look I'm like, oh shit, I got 45 minutes to get to my audition. Put on the same clothes. I rush to the audition. There's like 10 guys there, and some names that 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 you know are recognized and some people that are really fantastic dancers and some who've been working for 15, 20 years longer than I have. So there was a, you know, a different age, there's an age range and some people, you know, that are recognizable. And I'm like, there's someone else is going to book this. Like I, there's, there's no way. Um, but I signed in and I'm chatting with some of the guys. Cause I know I got 10 people before me. So I probably had a half hour, 45 minutes. And, um, as I'm chatting with one of my buddies, the associate comes out and she looks at the list and she goes, Oh, Jesse, you're here. Come on in. I skipped the entire line. Uh, they brought me in and everyone looks at me and goes, because oh. <laughs> they were expecting me. And, and, yeah. and which is unusual to skip the entire line. To, yeah. to, to bring. So I went in, did my thing again, did the same two or three steps for the dance move for everyone. But I had fun with it, and I had, you know, and Paul was, gave, me, gave me a note, and I did it again, and, and he goes, you're, you're really funny. I'm like, ah, you're really funny. Um, and uh, it was a really fun audition, and I had a, had a really great time with it. But it was one of those things, too, like I, I was able to read it pretty quickly and kind of get a good grasp of what I wanted to do. But I know one of my, one of my buddies was doing windmills. He's breakdancing inside the room and doing crazy shit, and I'm like, I don't know, <laughs> but I ended up getting the call. They go, "Hey, you got the offer for the part, and you're going to do it." I was like, "Are you guys kidding me?" Wow! Like, of course, I'm going to do it. That's so, so funny. Sometimes the things you don't, sometimes you don't want the things you don't take is you're not desperate for, right? Like you were like, yeah. "Oh, you just kind of show up and you do what you can do." Yeah, that's actually appealing sometimes to the people yeah. casting, right? Like, get this guy. He's not so so needy or hungry for it. Yeah. 
wild. So it was end up, ended up being a very cool experience. I remember doing and I, and uh, and I had never really done any kind of theater before, not not to that extent. But um, there's a different kind of stamina right. and endurance for doing theater like yeah. that, especially a big production like that. And I've never all most of us came from a TV film world that were in the show. There's a yeah. couple of theater people. But, uh, so it's, you know, it's 10 hours a day rehearsing all day long, figuring out blocking. It's very new to me. It's a very new world to me. But I remember doing one of the one scene, like there's a really funny balloon bit. If you ever watch that, it's in there, there's an HBO special about it. So you can okay. watch it. Uh, there's a balloon bit. that's really funny. Uh, and I, I always laughed and I had to figure out a method to not laugh. And he would, Paul would always make yeah. fun of me because uh-huh. he couldn't do it. But I remember doing the scene with him, rehearsing the scene, and uh, and as we're doing it, and, and Paul's doing his peewee voice, like he rehearsed with the peewee voice. <laughs> yeah. Jesse! <laughs> yeah. yeah, he would do it. And like I was wondering, like, is he going to do it? Is he going to rehearse his Paul? Is he going to rehearse his yeah. peewee? And oh, peewee. my gosh, dude. And so while I'm doing the scene with him, and as I'm Tell him I'm doing my dialogue and in it at the same time I'm going like holy shit I'm doing a scene with Pee Wee right now and it was like oh, dude. yeah it was incredible and the first night we opened um, Paul walks out to center stage with the with the curtains drawn because the 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 set is spectacular it just people lost their minds with nobody in the back we knew we had no idea what to expect that was the first time Paul and Pee Wee had been back. In 20 years, you know what I mean? Wow. Um, and people lost their minds. We're all in the back crying, like, okay, we got to got to start. Because standing ovation for the longest time. So you did it in LA and New York? Or we, what? Did it, we did it four or five weeks in LA, and then we did 10 weeks in New York. So, and then, okay, so the reason I bring this up, I know that's a long story to get to what I'm telling you. Um, we, you know, they said they wanted to do the Broadway show, and I go, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm a, and I end up having to pass on a couple of jobs that would have been really, really mm-hmm. cool to do. But the experience of being on Broadway with Pee Wee Herman it was pretty spectacular as well. So it's you know when it rains it pours. Um, yeah, uh, I remember we only had like five days or something like that, some obscene amount of number of days to rehearse the play with a bunch of new dialogue, new dances. Uh, I had all these dances that Tony Basil had choreographed in L.A. Um, and then we went to uh, New York and Broadway choreographer put me through a bunch of stuff and I'm not a dancer. So, and I felt like super self-conscious about it and there's all this new stuff and I'm, and a little by little, my confidence is deteriorating because I'm, you know, I'm being super, super hard on myself. I couldn't get anybody on the phone that all my buddies to talk me off the edge. Uh, and so I ended up on the back page of the, the back page right before my first scene in the play, in the scripts, are on the back page, I started writing. I'm like, what am I doing here? Why am I even this? I'm going to ruin this play. It's like, I'm not a, I'm not a dancer, blah, 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 blah. And then I started going, like, quarter of the page way, way down. I'm like, what am I talking about? It's like, I didn't even have to work to be on Broadway. Like, I'm doing a Broadway show, and people are, you know, try 20 yeah. years at Broadway show. Yeah. By the end of it, I talked myself off of this edge of, like, you know, career suicide of being on this huge gigantic show on, on Broadway. And, and at the end, after that, you know, they went smooth and I ended up getting like recognized on Broadway as like one of the guys to watch and, um, having a 
one of the best times, you know, for the three or four months that I was in New York. That's nice, um, dude. Yeah, it's like, you know, talking yourself out of, out of, you know, quitting and you just got to keep going. All the imposter syndrome, all the negative self. Yeah. Like we are sometimes our biggest critic. And there's going to be people who aren't, aren't going to like your work and not going to like you. But that doesn't matter. Like there's like you can't please everyone. You know what I mean? At least just try and please yourself. Like you know. Like, so I think that that's a huge piece of advice, dude, for all of us creatives. I feel like I'm constantly doubting myself and constantly dealing with insecurity. And uh, there's nothing I can really do about it. It's just there. Like it's just like a friend who's like constantly I'm like, okay, I can let this person talk <laughs> into my ear. I can go, you know what? If you want to be here, fine, but I'm just going to concentrate on this stuff. I can't do anything, you know? Yeah. Man, that's good. Uh, all right, let's talk about – we can talk about so many other things, but just to honor your time and um, find, find an ending point for this discussion, uh, I'd love to talk about collisions because our, we've, we screened it twice. So we screened it December 2018, and then we screened it in our June Film Festival 2019 – uh, everybody loves it. Everyone loves the, the discussion. Uh, and it's all because of us meeting a year ago at this baptism. And then we got connected to Isabella Alvarez and her family. One of our volunteers is now <laughs> dating Isabella. <laughs> so we have, a very, we have a very happy high school student. Uh, so just talk about that experience, man. I know you obviously were approached to be an actor in it, which you're, you're the lead, but then you actually got invested into producing and cre- helping creatively drive the story and casting. So talk about that a little bit. Um, well, uh, it's, it's one of those, my manager, one of my manager agent called me and said, there's this movie going on. There's not a whole lot of money into it. They're, they're, they're interested in talking to you about being a part of it. How many times do you hear that? There's a movie, but not a lot of money into it. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Quite a bit. Um, <laughs> Um, and even if it's just me auditioning for it, it's like, there's not a whole lot of money into it. So I could, you know, there's a lot of factors that go into whether I want to do something or, yeah. um, um, uh, but, uh, uh, I go, well, send me the script. And I, I read the script and it was, it was pretty good. Uh, and I, and I go, let me, I'd love to talk to the director and see what he has to say about it. So him and I talked for a long time. I go, my biggest thing is like, are you willing to collaborate? Like there's stuff in here that I feel like how they asked him how long he had been sitting on the script and he had been sitting on it for a long time and go, you feel like you're stuck. You know, is there things that you feel like you can work on? And he goes, yeah, absolutely. I go, well, you know, coming from a Latino perspective, there's some honesty points that I feel like need to be addressed and this and this and that. And just to interrupt. So Richard was on our podcast, uh, 20 some podcasts ago. He was our very first podcast and he talked about, I mean, he's a, Caucasian man from New Zealand mm-hmm. who was married to a teacher in the mission district of San Francisco, right? So that was their perspective. But I love that you're going, okay, hey, I'm bringing this perspective of being a Latino in America. You mm-hmm. have this, he was an, he's an immigrant, right? So he's got this story. So I love that he was actually open because he needed you. He needed you yeah. to speak into that. So, so we, um, and he goes, yeah, absolutely. I go, well, here's what I, you know, we'll let the people deal with like the negotiations of like the terms and stuff like that. But, um, there's, there's, I can give you a few points what I, I feel like, and, you know, of course it's up for you know, discussion, whatever. Here's our, here's, here's three important scenes that I think whether I do this movie or not, uh, that I think are very important that need to be addressed. And I started talking about the scenes and he goes, hold on, hold on, hold on. And he starts writing stuff down. Um, and, 
And I go, you know, whether I, whether it ends up working out or not, I think, you know, I think you have some fun right here. Um, but these are the things that I, I would look at. And so we talked and, and, you know, our, my representatives got involved and we figured stuff out. So I ended up getting, you know, having a saying cast, I was able to call Ana de, de la Reguera and, you know, convince her to do the movie. Um, uh, her, Anna plays the mom who's deported in the film. Yeah. And yep. she's a, you know, she's a big star on yep. her own. Yep. Um, and a wonderful, wonderful, she was wonderful in it. She's, you yeah. know, she's such a sweetheart. She brought a lot to it. And then I told, I told Richard uh, at the beginning, well, as we were talking, I said, I go, you can have me and whatever star as the mom, but if you, the kids aren't absolutely magical, this movie doesn't work. Right. So you, you have, if you have to delay casting, delay production to find the right kids, you can't rush this because if you don't find the right kids, the movie doesn't work. I could be, I could give an Oscar worthy performance and it doesn't work because that's not about me. It's about the kids. Mm -hmm. Um, it is about me too, but it's, it's, the kids have to work. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I, I got to see a lot of tapes and I go, no, nah, not yet, not yet, not yet. And he goes, I think I found him. And he sent me the tape of, of uh, Jason and Isabella. And I go, whatever you got to do to secure this, mm. you do it. And they ended up getting him. And then, you know, of course, Isabella's family is really wonderful. And, and Jason's family is really wonderful. I don't, you haven't met them yet. I, I didn't meet them, no. Um, they're in Texas, so it's hard for, <laughs> hard for me to get this stuff. Um, but, you know... As far as the the core cast, the core four of us, it, it, we all end up working really well together. Um, and I was able to bring some of my you know my, my experience for the past 15, 20 years to from doing you know bigger shows to doing indie films to you know helps you know guide and streamline and be a part of the team. And um, so it's you know it's like you know fi fixing fires as I'm being an actor. So it was a good training ground for me too as a producer yeah. uh, to to do that because I still want to do more of that. I want to direct and I want to um, do my own movies and I have shows that I want to do. And so it's, you know, after that, after that movie, I go, I, I have the confidence. I feel like I'm confident to take on a movie and, and direct it and even be in it if I want to. It's awesome. Um, but it was, a, it was a really cool experience and I like the movie and I think everyone's really great in it. And it's, um, um, and it's a tiny, tiny, tiny movie with, you know, mm -hmm. we, and we got it done for not a ton of money. Mm -hmm. uh, and hopefully, I think we may have a distribution deal kind of in the works, but we're still working at all the kids. Yeah, because it's still doing festivals at this point. It's not out in, in the world. And mm -hmm. uh, we, just so you know, just as a thank you to you for all the work that you did, we had so many good discussions. Like where we are in Redwood City, California, the immigration conversation is so prevalent and there's people who still don't have all the information, right? And there's people who are on both sides who are trying to find like, how can we with empathy? Yes, there's rules and policies, but there's also human beings and families at stake. And I felt like this film was not preachy. Uh, <clears throat> it came at you through like real raw circumstances, your character of you know, Vencio, am I saying that right? Vencio, mm -hmm. you know, like the uncle and he's got you know, alcohol issues and he's a truck driver and then these kids and the mom, I mean, it was just like so beautiful. People had a really simple way to enter in and like let it sit and wash over them. And uh, I'm so grateful for it, man. It really paved the way for what Brave Maker is all about. So oh, cool. thank you. you. Kudos thank to you. you, man. Yeah. Huge. Uh, 
Yeah, man. So uh, as we kind of close off here, anything you want to say when you hear, you know, the word brave maker, like what does that mean to you? How would you want to encourage the, the listeners who are trying to get their work out into the world, trying to start their careers, whatever it be, acting, writing, directing, filmmaking, et cetera? What would you say about that? Oh, man. Um, it's, a, it's a really kind of great question. Um, for me, it's always like, you know, uh, I don't know if I'm answering exactly how you want me to, but it's, uh, you know, Answer you have how to, you want, man. How, how you, you have to, you have to really be proactive. No one's going to hand you anything. You know what I mean? So it's, yep. it's, it's being literally taking the name of your, your company. It's like being brave. You have to be brave to, to, to put fear aside. Cause we're often afraid of more afraid of our, our success than we, you know, than anything else. You know? And so it keeps us, um, we have to really work hard to achieve the things that we want, the, you know, whether it's material things or career things or, yeah. you know, relationships. Um, fear can't be a part of that. Yep. I agree. You know what I mean? um, and you have to be willing to ask for help because no one's, there's no, there's no such thing as making a movie on your own. <laughs> right. <totally. laughs> you you know can try I mean? to write, direct, act, and produce and edit yourself, but that's the yeah. worst. <laughs> it's the worst. There's no yeah. possible way. There's no way you can direct a movie, run camera, and do catering. Yep. Yeah. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. There's, and, um, people could try that. Like I had a friend of mine who just directed a short film the other day and her first AD fell out. And a couple other things. I'm like, why didn't you call me? She goes, I didn't, you know, I don't want to bug anybody. I said, that's what you have to do. That's what your friends are for. Yeah. You call. You call your friends, and if we can help, we will. If I go, I, I would. I, AD is not something I want to do. Like that's one of the jobs. Like I have no interest in doing it. So so hard. Like there's so many things apart being part of AD. I respect that that job so much. It's one of the hardest jobs on set. You know what I mean? And I have no interest in doing it. But. I said, you call me, yep. and I would have ran that set for you. Sure, because you know, I I know how I could do that. Not something I want to do, mm-hmm. but I could do that. So that's your job is mm-hmm. not focused on wrangling cast crew and yourself, dude. That is really good advice because I think we often say no for somebody else before we even ask them. We tell ourselves. Oh, Jesse's going to say no, so I better not even ask him. Why, yeah. that, why ask Jesse? Instead of like, let you say no. Like, you need to own your decisions. Like, so if I ask you to, hey, come on board or something, you can tell me no, and that might hurt, but you might say yes too. But I tell myself. Well, here's, here's, here's the other side of that is that if I say no, it's like, look, I'm, I would love to do it, or I don't want to do it, mm-hmm. but. I know someone that might be a right fit for you. Good one. Good one. And I'm, a, yeah. I'm, a, I'm one of the things I'm good at is I'm a connector. Yeah. Like if I go to events, um, I probably even did it to you. I was like, man, make sure you meet so and so and so so and so and so. But I, I connect people to make sure, and I go, oh, you friends, get, get each other's numbers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Don't wait till later. Don't yeah. wait to connect on Instagram. Like yep. you make this work. And I end up my my friend who my friend Veronica who ended up uh, did the short film she directed. I got two of my friends who I introduced her the week before. It's like, oh, these two would be perfect for you, sure. You know, they, they both have exactly everything that you need, and they were both wonderful. And, um, so I, I get enjoyment out of that. I get enjoyment out of, like, I haven't passed my buddies, like, my, my like, you and Jeremy. Jeremy and I pass each other auditions all the time. We're like, hey, man, make sure you're going in for this, because we're both right for it. You know, yeah. if yeah. he's going to get it, I'm never going to get it. So yeah. we're just, you know, we're just completely two different people. So yeah. I, I, have no, I have no problem helping people as long as 
you know, there's a lot, there's mutual respect, right? That's cool, man. Well, thanks, yeah. dude, for all your uh, stories and sharing. And I love that you were in Pee Wee's uh, Broadway. <laughs> you gotta watch it, man. It's, I'm gonna find have, that. Your kids will love it. I'm gonna find that. Where can people find you on social media? Um, Instagram, Instagram at Jesse John Garcia. Um, put that link in the show notes. And oh, by the way, is your short film you sent me the price we pay or the cost we pay? What is it? Price you pay. The price. The, one, we the, pay. Sol- the soldier one. Yes. Is that available for people to watch? Can I post yeah, that? Yeah, just on something. Yeah, yeah. It's okay, cool. All right, so we'll post this film that Jesse wrote, directed. And start in, right? Yeah. He didn't edit it or shoot it, though, right? I, 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 uh, this is before I knew how to really edit, but I did do some like finessing. Okay, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, we'll post that because that's one of the, the cool things. Actually, I thought we would try to, if you were going to come up to the fest, I was going to try to show that in the uh, fest because it's a good little short, man. It's got a little powerful story thanks. to it. Yeah. All it's right, experimental. Dude. It's experimental. I, I, you know, definitely something. Next time I'll do some stuff with dialogue. Brave. It was a brave maker uh, story for sure. So yeah. yeah. So watch it. The link is in the show notes, everyone. Brave Maker is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Our work is funded by generous patrons like you. Support the podcast with a tax-deductible donation at bravemaker.com. Thanks for listening to the Brave Maker podcast. Subscribe, give us a rating, and share with a friend.